0: katie helper show you can always hear us wednesdays at 7 p.m on wbai that's 99.5 fm or wbai.org also check us out on soundcloud and itunes and rate us and review us on itunes and make sure you keep an eye out for Patreon so you can get extra special goodies from The Katie Helper Show, like exclusive interviews, videos. And on today's show, we go over the headlines and the news, but we have a really, really special interview that we do with Phyllis Rodriguez. Phyllis Rodriguez and her husband, Orlando Rodriguez, lost their son on 9-11. Phyllis and Orlando Rodriguez lost their son, Gregory, on 9-11. He was 31 years old and working on the 103rd floor of the World Trade Center. But the Rodriguez family decided to speak out against using their son's death as a pretext for war. Phyllis co-founded September 11th Families for a Peaceful Tomorrow. Phyllis and Orlando are also the subject of a documentary called In Our Son's Name. And make sure you go to inoursonsname.com to find out more about that. So. Gabe, how are you doing?
1: I feel great today. You look great. Thank you so much.
0: He's wearing a negligee.
1: <laughs> I'm actually I'm wearing a fun shirt I got in Brazil. Oh yeah, it is a yeah. fun shirt. And I went I went down there years years ago before uh before there was the Zika scare and before the Olympics. Uh, before it was know. cool. And yeah, dangerous. way before it was. Well, I think it was, it was always. Da- it was... Yeah, a
0: couple centuries of danger
1: yeah yeah so but other than that you know
0: thing, things are going great awesome well we're so excited uh to be joining you guys dear listeners and of course we sunday was the uh of course marked the anniversary of the attack on democracy when planes flew over the presidential palace in santiago chile during a u.s backed coup to overthrow the democratically elected president salvador allende ushering in a brutal dictatorship of killings, disappearances, cutting-edge torture techniques and more under the right-wing dictator Augusto Pinochet.
1: Pinochet, what a cute name, a though. Cute Every time name. I saw that name as a kid I was like Pinocchio. I get it. Okay. As a
0: 5-year-old when your parents were reading you There
1: was we <laughs> had a lot my you know, know my mother was an immigration uh, lawyer yeah. so we had a lot of people uh, fleeing uh, from persecution, disappearances, and torture. Reappearing. Reappearing. Rea- rea- reappearing. Disappearing the from house Chile and reappearing in the, our house in Washington D.C. Offering us empanadas. Nice
0: empanadas for um, at the embassy of empanadas. And, and the thing about the pinochet thing, it only lasted twenty years. Could have been worse. Could have been thirty. Could have been forty. Right.
1: Yeah, twenty years is it's a drop breeze. in a bucket. A drop in a bucket. Yeah. yeah. You can and sprint through that. You could totally sprint through you know, that if it's you're just, alive. It's just 20 years that you can't go outside at at 10 p.m. at night because there's a curfew, right? You know, but a lot of people, some people, some people are late bloomers.
0: It's they have true. a curfew
1: until they're 20.
0: So these weird people in Chile who like don't agree with our pro-pinochet stance decided that they would um, march to the city's main cemetery in Santiago. Um, to commemorate those who were killed that day and during the dictatorship. How do you like that transition from our joking around to a march (laughs) to the main cemetery? Um, And, of course, we have a little bit of a scare with um, Hillary Clinton. She did uh, almost stumble when she walked out of a commemoration in Lower Manhattan for 9-11. And there
1: was a lot of confusion after that, too, because people thought she uh, at first they released a a press press release said that she uh, was suffering from allergies. Right. And I understand that because I have allergies. Yeah. Yeah. I never faint from uh, taking too much Benadryl. But okay. what? And then afterwards, we all have
0: different immune systems. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Then it came out that it was she flip-flopped on that.
0: She totally flip-flopped on that. In fact, listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with her. Those I think there's so many crazy conspiracy theories about the what's it called? The um catheter. Um I actually think that Michael Moore was dead on. He he tweeted, well, ammonia, that's serious. Campaign kept it hidden Friday, Saturday, Sunday. No wonder the crazies get traction. Dems are pros at losing elections. Sadly, Dems do win elections, um, unfortunately, although slightly better than Republicans. Uh, uh, no, I don't think it's a big them. deal that
1: she got pneumonia because uh, I mean, she's on she's on yeah. the move. You're, you're on tour. I get, I've get i gotten pneumonia before I get it. I hope she takes care of herself. Some of my
0: best friends get pneumonias.
1: Dude, Jim Henson died from pneumonia. See? Okay, right? Yeah. One of my favorite people in the whole world.
0: That's really terrible. Died from to... working
1: too hard. No so self-care. He no to more self-care. Care. So but Hillary,
0: self-care. Self-care, yeah. So she was, the thing is that she she almost stumbled when she was getting into a van. She left early. But the major thing is that she'd said that there was allergies. She needs to just come out and say, I've Pneumonia, but she lets Trump frame it. You know what I mean? He, she lets him frame the debate. But this is something that no one else has reported on, okay? Well, they report on the story, but not the, the spin I'm about to give it. New York Senator and Islamophobic hawk extraordinaire Chuck Schumer has also revealed guess what he has? Pneumonia. Pneumonia.
1: In okay. solidarity. Well, it's, is that I, it performative could be in solidarity? It, al- could, it sounds like performative allyship.
0: It is. I think that's exactly I what it is. I too have
1: pneumonia. I, I stand too, with her. Right.
0: I I too sing amo- with an pneumonia. I sing America with pneumonia. Um, and everyone's been making fun of him for doing that because it seems like a pathetic. Oh, we all have ammonia. You have ammonia. I have ammonia. At first, you know, they came for the ammonia sufferers, and I didn't say anything because I didn't have an ammonia.
1: That's, that reminds me of like when one child, unfortunately, this is sad, but you know, in an elementary school, a child might have uh, like cancer or mm. something, and then they, they, they lose all their hair because of chemo. Oh, and then they
0: sh- the kids shave their And hair then
1: everybody in- else oh, shaves yeah. their hair in solidarity. I think
0: I figured something out, guys. Ready? How do you spread ammonia? Well, anyways, but what's. Think of mono. How do you spread mono? Kissing. It's the kissing disease. Hillary Clinton has ammonia. and ammonia. Chuck Schumer has an ammonia. I'm just saying they could be having an affair. Okay. I feel like he came out. I mean, basically. that's...
1: Uh, I'd believe anything at this point. Hello. With all the disinformation exactly. out there, Who's? Yeah. who knows? Yeah. Who knows?
0: It's unclear, yeah. And... Sunday was the opening games of the NFL. So we spoke to Tony Smith about it, and you got to listen to that episode because she's the one who turned her back to the flag 15 years ago. We talked about um, the San- Colin Kaepernick, the San Francisco 49er, who refused to stand up during the national anthem right. last month during a preseason game. He was tired. He was tired of police violence, police brutality, and uh, racism.
1: I get it. I get it. Okay, you know maybe he's just been listening to that NWA propaganda.
0: That listening too- to
1: that the old uh, old song. And
0: living his life,
1: and and maybe seeing reality. Right,
0: maybe yeah, not exactly. (laughs)
1: Maybe he was on Facebook and saw Philando Philando Castillo Yeah, he got he got shot and was killed live on Facebook. uh, Yeah,
0: yeah, he could have seen that. There's so many to choose from, honestly.
1: Was it Mike Brown?
0: I don't know. It could have been. Was it Freddie Gray? I don't know. Yeah, unclear. Trayvon Martin. That um, but that's not police, but that's an inspiring police. Anyway, what happened was Sunday during this game, the opening game. There were a bunch of different football players who showed solidarity. Some of them uh, knelt, stayed kneeling, took a knee, as you call it, apparently. They took mm-hmm. a knee. Some uh, clenched their fists, like a little Black Panther styles. Although it, was not, it didn't have, like, the fist wasn't lifted all the way. They bent, bent their arms, which may be some kind of compromise. I'm not sure. Um, and, of course, people were very, very, very concerned that it was very disrespectful. Uh, a lot of people are talking about how incredibly disrespectful it is. And uh, a lot of people who really, whose opinion matters not at all. So, Rob Lowe tried to make himself relevant again by tweeting, Dear NFL, any player who wants to boycott the anthem on 9-11 should be asked to remain in the locker room until kickoff. It's not their moment. Thank you, Rob. Uh, That's your 20 seconds of fame again. And then... Kate Upton, supermodel, went even further, um, saying protest all you want and use social media all you want. However, during the nearly two minutes when that song is playing, I believe everyone should put their hands on their heart and be proud of our country for we are all truly blessed. And then she says this really great thing. She goes, recent history has shown that if that it is a place where anyone, no matter what race or gender, has the potential to become president of the United States we live in the most special place in the world and should be thankful. So I like her because basically what she's saying is like, not only should you not be protesting during this time period, um, this time, you know, these, whatever, the two minutes the song lasts, but what's the deal? Why are you protesting with a black president? I had this image of her traveling throughout history and being like, excuse me, Rosa, (laughs) I get that you're tired and that's fine, but I'm trying to get to an appointment um, and Uh, this bus. (laughs) needs to not be delayed by that. So anytime that I'm, once I get off, about six minutes, once I get off, it's all yours. And and to all the people who say that, you know, nothing's more disrespectful than not standing during the Pledge of Allegiance, that in itself is really disrespectful to say, because you're basically saying someone not standing up is more disrespectful than lying about the war, sending uh, the troops to kill and die based on lies. If you care about the troops, is the priority really being up in arms about someone sitting down during the national anthem? versus like slashing veteran services and veterans benefits.
1: Yeah, make you know, these vets they need the services. <laughs> they need the benefits. Stop slashing those. Stop
0: slashing them. Yeah. If if anything 911 is the best time to not stand up because that tragedy was totally co-opted and used to justify more war and killing. And it's not that it was just used as a pretext, like they lied about it.
2: The United States knows that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. Any country on the face of the earth with an active intelligence program knows that Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. There is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. There is no doubt that he is amassing them to use against our friends, against our allies, and against us.
3: The war on terror, you can't distinguish between Al-Qaeda and Saddam when you talk about the war on terror. The choice is his. And if he does not disarm, the United States of America will lead a coalition and disarm him in the name of peace. I still can't get over
0: that Ari Fleischer said in 2009 that we couldn't risk um, Saddam Hussein attacking us again.
2: Joining me now, Ari Fleischer, former White House press secretary. But after September 11th having been hit once, how could we take a chance that Saddam might not strike again?
0: That was three years after Bush admitted that Saddam actually had nothing to do with it.
3: The idea is to try to help change the Middle East. Now look, part of the reason we went into Iraq uh, was, uh, the main reason we went into Iraq at the time, was we thought he had weapons of mass destruction. It turns out he didn't. Get on message.
0: Ari Fleischer is one of my favorite people because he tweets every year on September 11th. He likes to tweet about it, like a kind of blow-by-blow, moment-by-moment thing.
1: Not live tweet, but a no, commemorative, exactly uh, a commemorative, a commemorative yep. live tweet. I want to trade him as
0: a Jew. I want to trade him. I'll take Charles Manson, if there's like a draft. Yeah. I don't want him, and he's the worst. I mean, we have Netanyahu too, but anyway, yeah. Ari Fleischer is just. I don't know why he's he he's able to leave his house. Like he should be ashamed. People should be throwing stuff at him. I don't know what. Um, what could he? Th- uh, yeah, we're,
1: I don't know where he. I don't know where he lives. I don't know neither. what he does. Now. But we
0: could find out. We could organize. a, a Could picket. someone
1: who listens to this, uh, you know, just put, put in the Facebook group yeah, where exactly. where Ari lives? Exactly. We we need to know.
0: Someone on Twitter did a m- marry, f word or kill. Have you heard about this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know. I, look, I don't, I don't. I don't need to say anything about the man.
0: Well, I, we all
1: know that he's a terrible human hold being. Oh
0: no, I just want this We should do he's something. A,
1: he's a he's a dumpster fire.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what that means. We should do something. I mean,
1: think about a dumpster, then think about it being on fire. <laughs> and that's who wants to be around that.
0: No, I know, and then he smiles. But okay, Mary. Um, let's say Mary sleep with or or um, vaporize, because we don't want to say kill.
1: You know me, man. I keep. I live a clean life. I'm pious.
0: So who would you I'm do a with Madoff, human being. Madoff Bernie because when I said I want I said on Twitter that I want to trade him for like for a bad non-jew and someone tweeted at me um MF you know Mary blah, 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 Madoff, Bernie Madoff Fleischer and Sheldon Adelson
1: which one of those would you that's your that's your three. I say
0: that no he gave the, that to me yeah I say that Madoff is like way I mean he's a he's a, a an angelic stud compared to Fleischer and Adelson.
1: I mean, what's what's wrong with a little uh, white-collar crime?
0: Yeah, compared to—I mean, he was in jail, but this guy has way more blood on his hands, Ari, Ari Fleischer. He should be ashamed. I hate that he's accepted. He and Kissinger should be on an island somewhere making out. Uh, <laughs> That's the best punishment ever, just making dr- those Just two?
1: drinking daiquiris, yeah. giving each other foot rubs. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. Yeah. So now um, we are going to call Phyllis— Rodriguez, who lost her son on September 11th, and who's become a major activist and organizer for peace and reconciliation.
1: Uh, tragic what happened to her son, and um,
0: there's a documentary.
1: The movie is called In Our Son's Name, and what I really loved about it was that it's it was it offers a counter narrative to, um, you know, what we have heard about with September 11th, and also offers us uh, an alternative to, um, sort of. A vindictive um foreign policy that uh punches punches back at the wrong people.
0: Right. And creates more of it, right? I mean right. they always talk about how what radicalizes people often to become terrorists, this is an oversimplification, but is seeing drones killing innocent people. Like that's a pretty good way to
1: make a make an enemy yeah. for life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <How to laughs> is, make uh, an enemy and blow
1: blowing up all these innocent people yeah. at a wedding in Afghanistan. Exactly.
0: And it's interesting because um, Phyllis and Orlando, they're not just against the war in Iraq, but they were they opposed invading Afghanistan, too. Right. Um,
1: So, yeah, it's a it's a great movie. If you've got a chance to see it, uh,
4: do that. Yeah. When I came into the building from my walk, the porter in the building said, oh, there's a big fire at the World Trade Center. And I ran up the stairs to the fourth floor where we live turned on the answering machine. There was the message from Greg and he was in the North Tower. And the message said, there's been a terrible accident at the Trade Center. I'm okay.
5: We went through the motions of going to the hospitals where there were lists and still had hope that he was somewhere in some emergency ward. But I think we knew by the end of the day that something was wrong, that we wouldn't admit it to ourselves, but we had a, this hunch that that he had died.
4: So, we had about 36 hours to not have to accept it, but for it to be there waiting in the wings as kind of a growing conviction, but we'll hold out.
5: So that was the beginning of a, a new mode for us.
3: But now that war has been declared on us, we will lead the world to victory. This enemy attacked not just our people, but all freedom-loving people everywhere in the world. No cave is deep enough to escape the patient justice of the United States of America.
4: We had been talking about what we thought the political implications of this would be. Our government was going to probably react in ways that we would not ascribe to. I think on looking back, it helped us handle the grief, in a sense, because we're trying to make sense of why this happened. And then, one morning after breakfast, Orlando disappeared into the other room and came back about 15 minutes later with a letter that he had composed, not in our son's name which synthesized what we had been talking about
5: a recent poll shows that 90 percent of americans support some form of military retaliation against the terrorists or the countries that support them but not everyone who lost a loved one in the world trade centers wants revenge orlando rodriguez wrote a letter about war called not in our son's name our son died a victim of an inhuman ideology Our actions should not serve the same purpose.
4: This letter circulated on the internet and was widely read. So we started getting feedback from people we never met or heard of. We got hundreds of letters in the mail because people looked us up, looked up our addresses from other countries. And we were approached by human rights groups, by groups that work for nonviolence and against the death penalty and peace groups.
5: But what about so many Americans who feel helpless and angry if the US doesn't strike back? When I hear thoughtless talk of showing them how strong we are, I feel that I see people like my son, who just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, dying in other lands. And that hurts me
0: we are going to call Phyllis Rodriguez
6: Hi Katie
0: Hi Phyllis how are you Good thank you Um so we're here and my co-host Gabe Pacheco is here so Gabe. Hello Yeah Hi, Hi Phyllis Dave. So thank you so much for joining us Phyllis and for coming on to the show and it's My a, pleasure It's a real honor to have you on Um you lost your son Greg on 911 and in the World Trade Center you and your family has, have been really incredibly inspiring. So many people who didn't lose anyone in, in the on uh, 911 were so gung- ho about invading Afghanistan, fighting war in Iraq. And yet you and your husband Orlando and your daughter Julia, had a very different response to that.
6: Yes, yes. Um, well, Orlando and I have always been uh, socially aware, politically aware. And very soon uh, after the attacks, we realized that this was going to be a big political um, issue. And we, you know, by the second day, we were afraid that our government was going to start dropping bombs on Afghanistan um, in retaliation. Somehow, through the shock and everything, we realized that we had a strong voice as Victims, uh, a victim's family member, because um, somehow in our country the culture is one of violence and vengeance, and that's the common, uh, the common assumption Mm -hmm. that if someone in your family was murdered, you would want to punish that person uh, to the ultimate, even if it meant the death penalty. Um, But we don't want that and we realized that because we're victims' family members, we might have be listened to more. So on the third day after, Orlando wrote a letter called Not In My Son's Name. We had hoped it would get into the New York Times as an op-ed or a letter, but um, it ended up circulating on the internet instead and then the Times wouldn't publish it, um, which was just as well, because we think it got more attention this way. And it did two things. People have told us it gave them a feeling of hope that there wasn't only one response. And it also uh, created the opportunity for us to be connected to other family members, victims' family members around the country who felt, as we did, and had either written pieces or had appeared in media or demonstrated against the war. That was a wonderful thing because we eventually formed 9-11 Families for Peaceful Tomorrows, which still exists today and has various projects regarding things that have directly come directly from the attacks themselves. I have always admired people who who did this kind of thing in the past. And I'd always say to myself, how brave, I don't know if I would be able to do it myself, like the uh, parents of a murder victim sitting with the offenders family in the court and then appearing together outside the court to the media. Um, You know, seeing that we're, we're all human and We all are capable of doing some bad things, but um, we hope we won't. And when someone does, we try to see beyond that what made them act that way.
0: So in the the film, you talk about how you had an, an emotional response and an instinctive response of wanting to forgive or of forgiveness. And Did you ever feel a desire to, that that bloodlust, that vengeance that you clearly did not pursue, but did that even flash into your mind or into your heart? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Very strongly. Um, I think it's a natural response to
6: uh, an occasion like this. Uh, The difference is that I wouldn't act on it. But, of course, uh, angry, um, fantasies of vengeance, anger, anger anger and uh, but you know it's it's that's part of us as much as the desire to love you know and to to want peace and goodness in the world they're both part of us and I think what matters in the end is how we act so recognizing that that kind those kinds of feelings are normal and nothing to hide or be ashamed of is very important uh what has and and i'll tell you in in the first year uh i vented my anger against george w bush
0: ah interesting okay
6: yeah he was a safe target because he was doing so many horrible things
0: (laughs) right and there were no hate crimes being committed against um white texan men (laughs) <laughs> That's right. Not at or that being moment. rounded right.
6: up in detention
0: centers,
1: exactly. right? My, yeah. yeah. So uh, and and also, the, sort of your path of um, looking for seeking forgiveness and looking to uh, increase peace in the world led you to uh, partnerships with um, like the the families of some of the perpetrators or conspirators around nine eleven.
6: Well, not not. Some of the well, the nineteen people who the um hijackers all died,
1: correct, yeah, and,
6: and they all were from the Middle East. Um, we never tried to contact them i If it had been offered to me, I would have jumped at it. The person we got to know is uh, Aisha wafi, whose son Zacharias Masawi was detained in a um, He was, he had been, um, he's a Moroccan friend, or French Moroccan. Uh, His mother was born in Morocco and then migrated to France.
4: What helped bring me out of my own grief was the contact with Aishel Wafi. I had wanted to meet her when I saw her in the media. I felt empathy for her as a mother, sympathy, for her being the mother of someone who at the moment was next to Osama bin Laden, the most unpopular person in the United States.
2: Zacharias Moussaoui, a French citizen, is charged with conspiring to commit acts of terrorism and murder in association with Osama bin Laden's terror network. Four of the six counts carry the death penalty.
6: Um, HE WAS BEING HELD IN um, a place run by immigration because he had overstayed his visa. And so he was virtually locked up and incommunicado from early August. And the reason he was there is that he also, he was a member of al-Qaeda. He was following many of the patterns that the um, conspirators did Although to call them conspirators is exaggerating because nobody knows how many people knew what was going to be done. You know, probably was just the actual leaders of it. Hmm. But people were training in pairs and they were going to flying schools. Um, Right. In in Florida. So Zacharias was doing that, too. But he was doing it alone. He had a mission that he was pursuing um he he uh, had told this is the way it's been told that and i i heard his testimony uh during his his hearing that he had told um osama bin laden that he had a dream of flying a plane into the white house and eventually osama bin laden agreed to finance him to come to the us to carry out his mission now when he was in a uh, jet flying school in Minnesota in the Twin Cities, um, they were learning to—it was, it was by simulation. So they were learning to take off and land jets. He told the instructor, I don't need to find out how to land. I just want to know how to take off.
1: Terrible thing to tell an instructor.
6: Yeah. Not the brightest, right? Yeah. So Red flagged. Red, right, the red flag came up, and this is in August, early August of 2001. He it to the head of the FBI in Minneapolis, St. Paul, who says, who contacts the headquarters and says, I need a, it's some sort of an order allowing her um, to search his, his, where he was living for evidence of any nefarious activity. They denied her. Wow, and she was very upset. She eventually became a whistleblower, but they denied her. And but she did manage to interest uh, the immigration service. That's why he was in a detention center, waiting to, for a hearing and to see if they would um, deport him. Meanwhile, after the fact, the FBI. <laughs> said hey wait a minute well who was that that she was this woman a Bernadette or something like that was talking about in Minnesota and then they saw what it was um, a Muslim guy you know 31 actually the same age as Greg oh, our son and look at his history so they they indicted him and they didn't have anything to go on relating him to the September eleventh attacks, uh because it was all charges like conspiracy to kill Americans, conspiracy to destroy uh property, et cetera, et cetera, with violent, you know, intention to commit violence. So, anyway
1: So what you're saying is uh it's very it's likely that he didn't know about the uh he wasn't down yeah. with the nineteen uh, right. guys. He didn't who, know.
6: He didn't know, and he actually had written to his mother um, and said that he didn't know until the interrogators told him.
1: Mm. Right, because he's sort of, uh, in my mind, linked, associated with that attack, and uh, it's it sound. I mean, the media's made it, in my mind, uh, right. sound like he's affiliated with all of that, but he wasn't. Uh, he was on his own. He
6: wasn't, and it was never corrected, and it's mm. on the record that uh, he didn't, Know about it? He had nothing to do with the attacks, but it has not been corrected by the general media. Many people uh, think of him as the twentieth hijacker.
1: Right, right. And he—he he's, he uh, was
6: not You know, the, he didn't follow the pattern. The pattern is that they go in pairs, they do their thing, they just follow orders from whoever their squad leader is. They don't even know what they're going to be asked to do, but they know it's a mission. Right and and the reason they're in pairs is so that if one gets cold feet, the other will say, "Oh, come on, you know, right. that
1: works." So, Phyllis, so, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Well, we we uh one thing that I I found really inspiring was uh, how you were traveling the world with um, Zachariah's mother, mm-hmm. and uh, you ended up with her in Germany, and uh
6: yeah, there used to be a, a big gala and a ceremony in Berlin commemorating the the Berlin Wall coming down on the anniversary of it. And they would honor people in four categories. I mean, very prestigious people. And um, a lot of noblest, Nobel Prize winners. And uh, the organizer of it had read about us in the Forgiveness Project, which is ForgivenessProject.com and she said, they they invited us um to receive award for crossing borders. So that was quite an honor. That that was quite and, something.
0: And then you you and Orlando went to Sing Sing, right? Yes. And can you tell us about that?
6: Yes. Well we started to become interested in convicted felons. You know, why do people commit acts of violence? How to understand what goes on in their minds, what's in their background to get them to that point. And um, a friend of ours was a volunteer at Sing Sing. The priest there, the Catholic chaplain, uh, was very popular and ran a wonderful place that was open to people of all religions and they could feel safe in the chapel. So he she told him about us and then he invited us to speak at one of his semi-annual weekend retreats, and they always had a a theme, you know, a theme of reconciliation, forgiveness, um, et cetera, all the good things. And I couldn't go, but Orlando went in and met with the inmates for a day and told his story. And then they... Uh, took to him so there were these dialogues and these discussions where people accepted each other coming from where they were and there's also this is also very significant for people who are locked up that someone who was victimized can can see the uh, people who've done terrible things as as individuals who have the good sides too or are trying to learn and change their own lives
0: it's it's really incredible because people always say what if it was your mother your son did you lose anyone on September 11th or would you be against the death penalty if it was your relative right like the famous Michael Dukakis um, Mm -hmm. episode and it is really I mean inspiring and kind of amazing and awesome in the literal word of awesome not in the way it's used but that you are the you are someone who who did lose a loved one and yet you were able to see that for instance uh invading afghanistan or going to war in iraq were not going to help the situation right right and 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 what about orlando says something in the film about how the forgiveness for him was related to who Greg was?
6: Yeah, I believe what he meant was that Greg was, um, he was a lover of humanity, and he connected with people. Um, It didn't matter what they looked like, it didn't matter what they sounded like, he was interested in their core, getting to know their, the essence of the person, so he was very open and accepting, and, and we thought he would react the way we are, too, that we did, too. Uh, and, you know, in the film you see that there is a, um, um, you know, there's something of how, on looking back, it influenced Orlando's thinking, looking back on the kind of person Greg was. And it's not that the principles were any different. But it's from a different point of view, um, so meaning that you want to understand and you don't want to be you don't want to be eaten up by your own anger and bitterness right
1: well what are, what um, are?
6: and I want to say something if I may about the word forgiveness. Um, I don't believe in forgiveness as just a word because it means thousands of different things to thousands of different people. And the Forgiveness Project, which was started by a British journalist, has dozens and dozens of stories to, of people who who found a way to either forgive or not for mm. something terrible that had happened to them. And there are all these different definitions because it's... Um, generally assume that it's in the province of religion, you know, that God forgives, and therefore you should forgive. But what does it mean? So in the first couple of years, I, I was, I thought, what? Forgive? Mm. <laughs> what are they talking about? I heard speakers, you know, murder victims, families for reconciliation and whatnot. I thought, I, I could never do that. But then, starting to think and reading, and I found definitions of forgiveness that I could identify with. Um, For example, one woman says forgiving forgiving is like chemotherapy.
1: Hmm. It's the
6: poison you have to take to stay alive. I mean, it's poison, but it does good for you. And then um, Desmond Tutu uh, says people think forgiveness is an act of altruism, but it isn't. It's in our own self interest. Right. So, and then the one that I, that resonates for me the best, is that trying to understand why somebody would do that, what's in their history, their background, uh, to take away this mystery of some super someone who's unnatural doing something that no one could ever think of. You know, what leads people to act this way?
0: Right. And it's it's interesting that um it, it's kind of the similar concept to, with justice, right? We think I mean so many politicians brag about being tough on law and order um and they think that they're being like weak or um you know, uh, pushovers if they show any signs of compassion or any signs of kind of believing in rehabilitation instead of punishment. But of course, not only is that the just thing to do, but it's also in our self-interest if we just step back, right? Like when we put people in solitary confinement, uh, and then release them back into society, it's not actually good for us either. Absolutely. And yeah, I just wish that people would make that, um, That's why I think it's so great what you and Orlando are doing because that point really needs to be made. That was our interview with Phyllis Rodriguez who lost her son Gregory on 9-11. I'm going to be playing more from an additional interview that I did with Phyllis. I also did an interview with Phyllis that I'm going to share. But before we do that, I want to play for listeners Benjamin Bratt reading the letter that Orlando and Phyllis had written, not in our son's name. It was included in the book, A People's History of the United States, edited by Anthony Arnove and Howard Zinn.
2: Our son, our son Greg, is among the many missing from the World Trade Center attack. Since we first heard the news, we have shared moments of grief, comfort, hope, despair, fond memories with his wife, the two families, our friends and neighbors, his loving colleagues at Cantor, Fitzgerald, E-Speed, and all the grieving families that daily meet at the Pierre Hotel. We see our hurt and our anger reflected amongst everyone we meet. We cannot pay attention to the daily flow of news about this disaster, but we read enough of the news to sense that our government is heading in the direction of violent revenge with the prospect of sons, daughters, parents, friends in distant lands dying, suffering, and nursing further grievances against us. It is not the way to go. It will not avenge our son's death, not in our son's name. Our son died a victim of an inhuman ideology. Our actions should not serve the same purpose. Let us grieve, let us reflect and pray. Let us think about a rational response that brings real peace and justice to our world, but let us not, as a nation, add to the inhumanity of our times.
0: That was Benjamin Brant reading Phyllis and Orlando Rodriguez's letter, not in our son's name. Now I'm going to be playing some of the extra interview that I did with Phyllis.
6: Once it was evident that our government was gonna start bombing innocent people, I was very angry. And when the when the uh even before that the Patriot Act
4: was formed,
6: our nation had an opportunity in the beginning to do a lot of positive stuff. And one of them was to be introspective, and to think about our policies in the Middle East and other countries, and are we contributing to this awful anger against us? I I feel it was squandered an opportunity to join the international community to work for right. It it it's like a what is it? Um, uh, I think it it's a terrible paraphrase, but I think Mahatma Gandhi said. You know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and soon the whole world will be blind. So, yeah, that's right. So, um, we really have to question, and we have to question in the face of corporate media um, tied very strongly to commercial interests in our country and political interests, which doesn't want us really to question our policies and what we do.
0: You know, we often people say, "If it were your son, if it were your daughter, for your wife, husband," and the expectation is, of course, that people say, "Well, yeah, you're right. Uh, I would support the death penalty, or I would support the invasion of Afghanistan." Um, have you been able to? Two questions: Has anyone ever asked you that, not knowing that you had lost a son in um, the towers? And have you ever been able to convince someone, or at least open their mind, by saying? look, it did happen to me, it happened to my son, and yet I do not want to pursue uh, military response or vengeance.
6: Well, it hasn't, It maybe a few times with someone not knowing, because how often do you get into those conversations with people? But plenty of times from people who uh, do know, and and actually uh, a couple of people who are very angry at us, for taking these positions and for having a relationship with uh, Ayesha Wafi, Uh, they felt we were traitors, Uh, and I've been called a uh, terrorist sympathizer, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, I have been able to, and and I, I might say also that I always used to wonder, because I've always been opposed to the death penalty, it was moot until the Supreme Court ruled that states could decide and then it came back to new york state and i used to wonder would i still be opposed to it if someone was brutally killed and i really didn't know i don't think you could know i've met people not 911 people but who've had someone murdered and who've had the whole range of responses uh on the the first time i went was allowed to go down to Guantanamo bay to observe the military tribunals I was with a group of seven other family members. And we used to have wonderful discussions because we all accepted each other's differences. I was <laughs> the most radical, actually they named me their liberal, and I said, What do you mean liberal? I'm a radical. <laughs> and so we went we ran the gamut from, you know, stringham high to never under any circumstances. And we had really good discussions, and I made some people think, and they told me. And there were some people who said, I'm opposed to the death penalty, but in this case, not. I'm really angry. And I remember asking them, do you think you'd feel better if these men were convicted and executed? It's not going to bring our sons back, you know. Um, And it's only a momentary... Maybe a feeling of victory, and then you're there. You are, you know, the same old story, but some people got killed.
0: Um, so there were people who went down to Guantanamo, um, who were for who wanted them to be convicted and executed,
6: yes, definitely.
0: And, and so some of those people said that maybe you changed their minds, or
6: yes, well, we also talked about why they're being tried in military tribunals and not in federal court. We had a lot of discussions. And one uh, one other mother, there were three of us mothers who lost sons in, in Cantor, which was must have been a coincidence. Um, but she said, I, I changed her mind uh, because not only that, during the time she wasn't convinced, but we have a friendship and I would send her things, we'd talk about things. And she said, you know, now I realize you're right. This is never gonna end, and nothing will happen and so, and about the death penalty uh she that couple and another one the other mothers, you know had to think uh, they told me, you know, well, it's true, it won't bring our sons back you know and and what's the reason for having prisons and for having just uh, court, uh, court proceedings that follow the rules of our constitution of human rights of the Geneva Conventions Against Torture. Um, the, if we convict people fairly and they are found guilty, we want to protect society from dangerous people. We have the means to do that. But I will say something, you know, you remind me of something that Greg once said when he was 14 and this was, this really made me think and it formed my a lot of my outlook. When he was 14, his, he went with his Spanish class in Croton Harmon High School to a year in Salamanca, not a year, I'm sorry, a month of the summer in Salamanca, Spain. And each kid lived with a family and the following year their kids came and lived with us. And when he came back afterwards, he said, you know, the Spanish hate the French. The French hate the Spanish. Everyone hates the Germans. He said, nationalism stinks. (laughs) And I thought, what? Woo. (laughs) He's got something there.
4: (laughs) Well, he was like a lot of kids of activist parents, (laughs)
6: He was very rebellious for a while, and you know, he didn't want to have anything to do with it, with any causes. Ah, leave me alone. But then he he became active in Cispus, which was the committee in solidarity with the people of El Salvador when he was about nineteen, and that that affected him. Uh, then he he had to make a living, so he started working in the in uh, financial companies in IT. And um, I think the the other thing was left by the wayside. However, he had deep convictions. And once we were having a discussion about the death penalty and about juries, he said, if I were picked for a jury in a capital case, I would lie and say, either I don't know or yes, I'm for it. And uh, I get on the jury. And I thought, that's wonderful. And then I thought, wait a minute, he could do it because he didn't have a record of, you know, of actually demonstrating against the death penalty. But I thought, what a wonderful thing. (laughs) You know, if a law is unjust, (laughs) we have to do something about it. I mean, it's illegal. You could get into trouble, but. But it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I've been asked, um how do you think Greg would feel if he knows what you're you're doing? You know, what what would his reaction be? Would he support you? And I said I think he probably would. He'd probably laugh and say, Oh yeah, mom, dad, just like you. But then also I my feeling is not whether he would approve, it's whether if the roles were reversed would he follow his conscience? I think that's the main thing, and that's what we're doing. We're following our consciences.
0: That was my interview with Phyllis Rodriguez. She and her husband, Orlando Rodriguez, are really incredible activists and people, and Phyllis was just talking to me about how she's turned the grief over her son's death into fighting for peace and reconciliation and justice and against militarism. I'm going to be posting even more of that interview. Make sure you go to the com and the Katie Halper Show Facebook page, and I'll be posting the rest of it. Make sure you also go to inoursonsname.com to find out more about the documentary about the Rodriguez family, and check out September 11 Families for a Peaceful Tomorrow. You can always hear us Wednesdays at 7 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM or WBAI.org. Also check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes, and rate us and review us on iTunes. And make sure you keep an eye out for Patreon so you can get extra special goodies from The Katie Helper Show, like exclusive interviews, videos. We will see you again next week. And you can look forward to some upcoming interviews with Glenn Greenwald, Jim Hightower, and Ben Jealous.